Hey, hey, Prime members, talking to you. You can listen to CBS Mornings on the go ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. June's Journey is a fascinating hidden object mystery gaming app where you'll play as June Parker, tasked with a daunting obligation, solve your sister's murder. Set in the 1920s, the era of glitz and glam, this family mystery is one for the ages. Everyone's a suspect until your investigation determines otherwise. The clues are all around you, hidden within tricky twists and turns. You'll collect detailed information about each character in your photo album where you'll comb over every detail. You can even join a detective's club to chat and play with others or against them in the detective's league. With hundreds of puzzles to solve, you should probably get started today. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. And I think that's what's going to get us through this, is to understand we are all humans. <laughs> We're just one species. Uh, and so, you know, humanity involves building community and building uh, brotherhood and sisterhood. And, you know, COVID has been an excellent diagnostic tool to expose and illustrate the uh, depths of inequities uh, prior to the crisis, uh, but the inequities that our, our communities face, um, you know, people who, who were once treated expendable now been labeled essential. So hopefully we can continue that thought that we are all essential to not only our country, but to, to this world. We live in a global community. Uh, as you can see, a global pandemic has affected every country in the world. Welcome to the CBS This Morning podcast. I'm Adriana Diaz, a CBS News correspondent. For the recent CBS News special, Pandemia, Latinos in Crisis, we spoke with actors Eva Longoria and Wilmer Valderrama, as well as chef Jose Andres, who were all friends and activists. We talked over Zoom to discuss their work supporting the Latinx community, which has been especially hard hit during the coronavirus pandemic. Many Latinos work on farms, in meat plants, grocery stores, and also in healthcare on the front lines. We talked about everything from how the community has been affected by the pandemic to voting, the census, and why they're all connected. Here's part of our conversation. How are you guys holding up? I mean, this has been such an intense experience. Wilmer, I know that you often say every morning that you wake up, you are... Already winning, yeah. If you woke up this morning, you're already winning. Um... You know, I, I'd like for you to, to go first, you know, but I, I do I do think uh, it, I think the sentiment is kind of the same for all of us. There's been a lot of um, reawakening of things and uh, reinvesting your time in, in things that are actually really important. Um, but Eva, um, what are your thoughts? Oh, my gosh. Uh, it's so crazy because three months ago, if you would have said this was still going at this rate and... Mm-hmm. and- and not even improving, um, I would have said you're crazy. But um, you know, um, you know, I'm keeping busy and doing my thing, reading and and putting time into myself. But mostly, I think what this pandemic has done is really brought out disparities within communities, mm. specifically communities of color. And you know, Jose and Wilmer and I have always been at the at the forefront of um, civic engagement and voting rights and farm worker rights, and we've always been going around the world, you know, screaming from the top of our heads like, "This isn't fair! We've got to make uh, make it fair, and we've got to you know fight for equality." And the pandemic just magnified the disparities in our community. So I feel like we've been working more now in quarantine i mean i don't know how many how many zooms we've been doing um to create access for the latino community 
um, for them to have access to whatever they need. What Jose Andres is doing with the World Food Kitchen is insane and amazing. And it feels like, I mean, he, if there's, if there's a, 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 a tragedy in the world, Jose is the first one to be there. And, and it feels like I've seen him so much more lately, which makes me happy and sad at the same time. <laughs> because like the need for the World Central Kitchen is, um, it, it saddens my heart because food insecurity is a huge issue in the world, but specifically in the United States with uh, communities of color. So it feels like, you know, I was just on a Zoom with Jose the other day and I've seen, well, we've been on Zooms with Harness or with um, Voto Latino or with, and, and so this this uh, problem needs many uh, entry points of attack. And so that's what we've kind of been, been doing. Now the program that we're part of, this program's been really been focusing on the challenges that the Latino community is facing, how disproportionately it's been hit. And we also want to focus on the helpers. And that's where all of you come in. Jose Andres, <laughs> the World Central Kitchen, you've helped feed 17 million people. Eva, in addition to all your other work, you also have raised money for farm workers. And Wilmer, you are shining light, in addition to your other work, on essential workers. When this all started at the beginning of the pandemic, everybody talked about how this was the great equalizer. It didn't discriminate. Were you surprised that Latinos would be hit so hard, Jose? Not. I'm not so surprised at all. Because we need to remember that uh, Latinos, we are everywhere. And we've been very lucky to go to the supermarkets and see that the shelves were full of, of uh, vegetables and broccoli and cauliflower and all these things we need to feed our families. And probably chances are that we had a Latino woman in a farm, maybe in California, maybe in Ohio, working long hours every single day through this pandemic, uh, making sure that we will have food. Uh, restaurants uh, that somehow some kept open because at the end we forget that some people had to be eating and restaurants were not in business as usual. They were on, um, on, 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 on emergency doing takeout chances are was Latinos behind. Right. Um, the few Uber drivers maybe you saw around, chances are were a Latino, an immigrant. Uh, so, so what we see right now is that many of these men and women, I've been in Harlem, I've been in California, in Oakland, I've been in, 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 uh, in Arizona, in Nuevo Mexico. You will always see Latinos that they don't have the luxury of staying home. And sometimes you have many Latinos living for different reasons in one bedroom apartment and all of a sudden they are exposed because they are taking public transportation, they come back home and this pandemic right now we are seeing that is hitting them, hitting us hard. Yeah. And you know, we, we, we need to do more. We need to bring awareness and we need to make sure that we protect every single man and woman but especially our Latino family, we need to do more to bring awareness that we need to take care of all of them. You know, there's a statistics that's shocking. Latinos are more likely than any other group to work outside of the home, not have the luxury of working from home. And these are in many essential jobs, like you mentioned, grocery stores, the farms, um, meat processing plants. Wilmer, you've spent a lot of time focusing attention on these people through your Instagram series, Six Feet Apart. What have you learned that you didn't expect? I mean, what I learned, I learned two things. One, of the, the first one was that um, for many, many decades of the history of these 
now very trendable word, uh, essential workers. Um, you know, that they've actually been essential and, uh, and that they've been essential for many, many years and they, don't, and they don't have the ability to, you know, to take a couple of weeks to just be home. And then, you know, they don't have, they don't have that luxury. So, that, so most importantly, I think that right now there is a, it's a, there's a major awareness about, you know, who is uh, the person behind this essential, you know, job. And, uh, you know, we're honoring them right now in this moment. The truth is we should have been honoring them for many, many many decades of not just uh, union advances and, and, and progression when it comes to how we protect them, how we, how we aid them in the moment uh, where their families needed the most, you know. So one of the things that was a rude awakening for me was that um, there was a lack of understanding um, what it takes uh, to be an essential worker, you know, the type of individual that's behind it. And I think for me personally, one of the first impressions was when I went to simply my grocery, my grocery store. When I went to the grocery store, and I ask very early in the pandemic, this is during the frenzy of like, we're going to run out of toilet paper, right? <laughs> and I went to the grocery store and our grocery worker uh, was tired, was exhausted. And I said, uh, how are you doing? And she said, you know, I'm doing good. And I said, no, seriously, how are you doing? And, and she uh, allowed herself to be vulnerable and said to me that um, she was a little uh, depressed and she was very tired and that she was very surprised what had woken up in people, that when they would see that a product would run out, they would take it out of the workers, right? They would, they would wish him bad and they would call the grocery store and say, hey, do you have this? And when they didn't have it, they said, well, I hope you have COVID, and they will hang up. And, you know, I started realizing that there was a, a major trauma also happening to our social essential workers because they were taking the wrath psychologically of the frustration of many of our communities that were trying to just protect themselves, protect their families. and. And, um, and that, was, that was hard to listen to, you know, because uh, there was a lack of understanding of how, what, what it took. You know, the hours that they're exposed, the hundreds of people that we see a day, um, and without having that, you know, empathy, you know, you, you couldn't put their shoes and, and appreciate their job and at least ask them how they're doing and all that. So that was the first impression to me, going like, there's something, there's some balance and we're better than that. And, and that, that I became very passionate in bringing their perspective into the forefront because we were talking about them as essential workers, but we weren't talking to the people. And uh, there was two tiers that were missing in that conversation. So yeah, so that, that's the first thing that came to mind. And on that note, you know, essential workers, farm workers, like the ones that you've raised money for Eva through the Farm Workers Pandemic Relief Fund, they are now getting recognition, well overdue recognition. But Eva, what do you think of that recognition? And how long do you think it'll last? Yeah, I don't, I don't know if we need recognition, we need help. Um, you know, outside of a pandemic, outside of this crisis, farm workers work in poverty wages, they have substandard living conditions, they have a myriad of health problems because of those living conditions um, crammed into one apartment, uh, they have lack of access to, to health care. Um, so these, these amazing uh, people who, who plant and, and pick and pack our produce um, have a hardship outside of the pandemic. And now that we're in the, in the pandemic and, and it took that to call them essential workers, um, they are critical to our society and to our very existence. And so if we don't, we don't start to uh, create protections and legal protections, if that's not addressed, um, it will affect America's food supply. Um, and 
I think that people don't realize, you know, people think farm states are like Texas and California. There's over 40 states that have uh, farming. Um, and so um, we need to uh, make sure that we're showing up for them because showing up for them is showing up for America. It's the most patriotic thing you can do. The most patriotic thing you can do, yes. Yeah, it's the most patriotic thing you can do is help America's food supply. And um, because this uh, industry of agriculture is primarily dependent on migrant workers, we feel that that they're not part of that American system, and they are. Um, and so uh, I, I appreciate that the pandemic finally uh, recognized them as essential, but we still have a long way to go. And, you know, the, the reality is Latinos are bearing the brunt of the coronavirus. I mean, many, 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 many people have hardships overall. But Latinos are bearing the brunt of it because we, we overrepresent the essential workers, um, whether it's healthcare or delivery workers or drivers or sanitation or farm workers. We represent over 33% of that group. So mm. if there's a nurse taking care of your grandma or grandpa or mom or dad, it, it's likely to be an immigrant or likely to be a Latino uh, or uh, uh, any person of color. And so um, it's, it's important that we're having this uh, discussion and I'm glad you guys are, are putting a spotlight on it because we need to um, educate the country um, that Latinos are part of the fabric that is making it continue to, uh, to progress. And, and just, you know, like Jose Andres said, to have cauliflower on the shelf, I'm more than likely 18 Latinos touched that cauliflower. From, from, the, from the planting to the picking to the packing to the driving to the, to the produce guy at the supermarket. You know, what I just realized is you're all connected through this chain. You know, Eva, you're fighting for the farm workers. That food is going to the grocery stores, you know, where Wilmer is helping shed light on those workers. And Jose Andres, you're helping get that food to the people who are in need. Mm -hmm. Jose Andres, how do you think people can, can move from recognition to actually helping? Well, this is very simple. Um, the... President of the United States should start recognizing the job that all these men and women are doing for our country. Congress should recognize this. Immigration reform is something that should be happening already. We've been waiting for many years, and I don't know why are we waiting, because uh, we have 11 million undocumented. Many of them are Latinos. And used to think that you have to have a passport to belong, uh, you know why you belong? You belong because you are giving your best to the country you are from, you are part of. Right. So we need to pass immigration reform. This is a way to be recognizing them and to tell them that they belong, that they are not anymore ghosts of the system, that they are there. We wouldn't function without them, but it's like we don't even look at their eyes. So let's start looking at their eyes, at their hearts, and let's tell them really, really, you're important and you are going to finally belong bypassing immigration reform. At the, day, at the end, what the men and women at World Central Kitchen do is use helping everybody use to, to, to do what everybody wants to do. A plate of food sends a message of hope. We've been doing at times 300,000 meals a day. We've been feeding uh, many farmers uh, in parts of California. We're in more than 35 states. We have more than 2,300 restaurants that we are using, uh, many of them Latinos. Um, to, to make all the meals, to make sure that the homeless are being taken care of, that the elderly homes are being taken care of, that the hospitals are being taken care of, that first responders are being taken care of. And believe me when I tell you that many of the men and women making this happen are people of color, are uh, black Americans, are Latinos, 
in the front lines, making sure that nobody through this pandemic in America will go hungry. And that's the least we can do. Thank them, recognizing in this case that Latinos, those undocumented, finally belong to America. You know, Jose Andres, you're always right there on the front lines. As soon as something happens, you're the first to get on a, a plane or a helicopter. You know, for so many people, this pandemic has made everyone feel helpless, anxiety. Do you ever feel that anxiety? Because you seem fearless, you know, and how do you turn that into action? Well, um, I use realize that the urgency of now is yesterday, especially when you talk about food. So... We began working in February in Yokohama when we began feeding 6,000 people at the Princess cruise ship. That's how early World Central Kitchen Men and Women began. Uh, and then we went to Auckland, which we never left. We are still there with almost 200 restaurants and we fed the other cruise ship. You know what? Uh, I think it's time that sometimes we give way too many speeches. We see the President of the United States giving speeches, senators, congressmen giving speeches. I think we are in this new moment of America that giving a speech and clapping is no good anymore. We need to put boots on the ground and make sure that we take care of the problems in real time. At the end of the day, some of the bigger problems we face, they have very simple solutions. What we do is what we know. We open a kitchen, we light up the fire, we start cooking, and we start feeding anybody that is in need. Uh, this way, you don't have anxieties anymore. Just you do the best you can to take care of everybody that is in. This, this pandemic has claimed so many lives. Have any of you had a personal experience, lost someone that you know? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think, I think that, I mean, this is a virus that's officially affected us directly, indirectly, and just, you know, just being part of the ecosystem, you can't help but to feel that, you know, the bruised heart, you know, in our nation. You know, to, it's, in, it's not just the fatalities, it's the suffering that, that our people go through. It's also just as traumatic, um, you know, but to this point, I mean, <laughs> we have to lead with solution, right? And we can't lead with, uh, you know, hypothetical and recognition and accolades. You know, I think we have to create a road for, for solution. And uh, that's the best thing we can do to the people that we've lost. That's the most... Uh, you know, honorable thing uh, that we can do to the people that are fighting for their lives in the, in the, in the hospitals is that we have to continue to lead with solutions. We have to, uh, we have to create a, you know, a real theoretical rule book of how we're going to actually move forward. And that's the thing that, you know, that, that, you know, that we're lacking in this moment. It's, it's the real leadership and creating some type of uh, infrastructure for us to empower the people, you know, uh, that have the strength uh, behind uh, the road to solution, right? And, you know, we're not empowering the people that have the strength in that moment. And then end up coming full circle to your question, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, I've, I've had friends who rapidly, you know, had uh, their health uh, uh, just completely fall apart, you know, because they get hit and, you know, they don't know, you know, where they got it. And I mean, there's just a lot of unknowns, but it's, you know, it's a very... Uh, it's a very horrific and, and, and also the stress that you have by trying to keep your family safe as well. I mean, I have a mom and a dad who are in the, you know, in the vulnerable, right? Uh, and now everyone is vulnerable, just so you know, like this is not a thing where it's just your parents, right? I mean, this is a situation that's hitting everyone uh, just the same. And, you know, I've had my parents locked up in the house for a long time, you know, and that's, that's a hard conversation we have with them because they come from that old school mentality that, 
they want to go get their own grocery stores. They want to get up in the morning and do something now because that's the, the Latino way. You know, you don't, you don't, you're not a sitting duck, right? You, you got to keep driving. So, um, so yeah, so that's been, that's been tough. You know, as you look forward and Eva, you know, thinking about your adorable little son, Santi, when he gets older, what do you think you're going to teach him about this moment, especially, you know, him being a Latino in America? Yeah, God, I, I, I hope, my hope is that um, he sees how we all came together to confront, um, you know, a, a, a microscopic virus that um, really challenged everybody in, in the world. Um, you know, we have, a, there's a lot of concerns moving forward. Um, and, and, and what are the questions, you know, as, as Wilmer was saying, um, how do we move forward? There, like, like I said, outside of a crisis, the Latino community suffers already with inequity. Um, and now with this uh, pandemic on top of that, um, of course, uh, we've just magnified the lack of, of access to healthcare that our, our community has. Um, but, you know, I think 60% of, of Latino households have experienced job loss, uh, wage loss, and that also leads to um, uh, educational concerns. So, so the Latino community is already behind in so many um, factors regarding reaching higher education. But just just outside of that, just elementary kids. I mean, I think it, I think it's um, thirty seven percent of Latinos don't have internet access. They just don't have Wi Fi at home. So to assume that they can do this online education. Um, they're trying to do it on their parents' phone. Um, it's just, they just don't, we don't have access to that. And, and 32% of our households don't have uh, computers or equipment to accommodate uh, uh, these children, much less uh, their parents who are trying to work from home. The, the effects of these hardships are gonna continue to um, produce exponentially. And so we're gonna have a lot of cleaning up to do once this virus passes, because we were already, um, you know, trying to, to gain ground um, outside of this. And now I think this is just a, a huge hurdle for us in our community. And so I hope that Santi will see that, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna uh, pull up our bootstraps and, and, and get moving. But like Jose Andres says, there's a lot of policy that is out there that's being introduced that we need to support. And, um, mm -hmm. you know, so much change we need. There's so much change we need. And I think mm -hmm. the most immediate change we can do is vote. Hmm. And let's vote people in who are going to make these changes uh, in our communities. Now, all of you have been really involved in efforts to get out the vote. Are you concerned, Jose, that the pandemic will impede Latinos' ability to get to the polls? Um, obviously, we need to see what's going to be happening in the fall. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not an expert, but uh, that's why we need to work, if anything, harder to make sure that everybody understands that one vote equals their voices will be heard and everybody must go to vote. But at the same time, I need to be using this time you are giving us here on CBS to make sure that we start sending the message right now as this pandemic is hitting the Latinos, that this is something should be happening directly from leadership at the White House. Everybody should be wearing masks Everybody should be washing hands. Everybody should keep distance. Those very basic things that is the difference between death and life are messages that we are not pumping into every single corner of America. 
And part of the problem we are seeing right now, and that's why also the Latino community is being hit so hard, is because if they don't see leadership really guiding mm-hmm. society and Latino communities and every other community, the black community, what they should be doing, offshore this pandemic is going to spike and maybe the fall is going to be much worse. So it's very important that we fight for being able to vote by mail, that we fight to make sure that they keep the, 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 the places, the polling places open until everybody is able to vote. We need to make sure only that we do one thing, that democracy means every vote, every vote counts, everybody counts, and every Latino vote has to count. If we do all those things, I'm not worried, but it's a lot of work to be done. Are you guys concerned at all that America has moved on? I mean, we're still in the middle of this pandemic and it almost seems like society has moved to another stage. Wilmer, what do you think about that? Well, I think that we we have to remind, uh, I think we have the attention of a lot of uh, the nation's heart, right? I mean, if there's a lot of passion, um, you know, to speak on uh, not just injustice, but equality. Um, and, and for the first time in a long time, our communities are asking uh, the hard questions, you know, why? Why is this not possible? Why is this not happening? And I think that we, we you know, first and foremost, I think we have to ask the communities with needs, you know, how can we help? Because only they can tell us exactly, you know, how can we assist, right? And, and we meaning a neighbor, a fellow, you know, a fellow, you know, member of this national community, you know, so um, I think we got to look at it a little bit in three phases, right? There's three things that are very important happening here. And right now, while we have the amplification of our voices and the unity um, and the camaraderie of all of our communities coming together to fight for the, the common goal, um, there is a misdistribution of a lot of the funds in this country, specifically in how you tailor certain basic services to all the communities uh, that are in need in any conversation in this moment. So we have to participate in the census. Then we have to understand that, you know, those numbers have to register to vote. And if, if you are eligible to vote in your family, you have to represent that household. There is no other way to get around it. You, you have to vote in, on behalf of your family um, and register, you know. And the next thing is we have to show up. And like was said today, we, you know, there is multiple ways, mail-in ballots. I mean, there's a lot of different ways you can do that. Um, this is a moment where we can't afford to, you know, wait around for the things that our children are going to experience in the future, right? So this is, these are the moves that we have to make to reassure that not only the next 10 years, but the next 20, next 20 years of the next generation, you know, um, is paved. So they can continue to pave the road for their generation ahead of time, you know? So there's a lot of faces, right? Census, register, go vote. And those are all things that average people can do. You don't need to have money. You don't need to have a platform right. to make those changes. And it's made super easy for you. Like on the census, you can do it online now, right? You don't even have to, you know, there's, there's a last, there, they, you have something in the mail or you can do it online. You know, there's, there's, there's made uh, uh, many advances on how you can do it. Eva, any last thoughts? Yeah. Um, God, I have so many, I have so many thoughts. Mm-hmm. I am uh, grateful to have, people like Jose Andres and Wilmer in this world because um, they really understand the concept of humanity. And I think that's what's gonna get us through this is to understand we are all humans. <laughs> We're just one species. Uh, and so, you know, humanity involves building community and building uh, brotherhood and sisterhood and, you know, 
COVID has been an excellent diagnostic tool to expose and illustrate the uh, depths of inequities uh, prior to the crisis, uh, but the inequities that our, our communities face. Um, you know, people who, who were once treated expendable have now been labeled essential. So hopefully um, we can continue that thought that we are all essential to not only our country, but to, to this world. We live in a global community. Uh, as you can see, a global pandemic has affected every country in the world. Um, I think the education and economic downstream consequences are going to be dire and enduring, and we're going to have to continue to, to work on that. But for the most part, I, I think we'll come out of this um, stronger and understanding that we're all interconnected, whether we like it or not. So let's embrace it and celebrate it instead of um, use it as a divisive tool or use it as um, something that just just creates hate. I think I think we're all we're all the same in a lot more ways than you think. You can watch the whole CBS News special, Pandemia, Latinos in Crisis, at cbsnews.com slash pandemia. Thanks for listening to the CBS This Morning podcast. If you want to catch the day's top stories in under 20 minutes, be sure to subscribe to CBS This Morning News on the Go on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to CBS Mornings on the go ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at wondery.com survey. Get one of the most successful broadcasts in television history on your schedule with the 60 Minutes podcast. Hard-hitting investigative reports, news and culture maker interviews and in-depth profiles are waiting for you in every episode. Listen to 60 Minutes ad-free on Wondery Plus. Hey, it's Matt Norlander with the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball podcast, and it is tournament time, people. So listen to the one podcast that will cover every upset, Cinderella, Bracket Buster Sleeper. We've got it all covered, every round, reaction shows, all the way up through the championship game in Glendale, Arizona. To find us, search Eye on College Basketball podcast wherever you get your podcasts.